0: Welcome to podcast number 48, How Pezwaan Became a Chocolate-Producing Village. This is Tom Newhouse, who is the president of Project Hope and Fairness, and this is our 48th podcast. As you probably know, Project Hope and Fairness now has three small chocolate-producing factories in three villages. Today's podcast is about one of those villages, Pezwaan, in which is found scap, which stands for Societe Cooperative Agricole de Pezouan. It's a cooperative that we helped found. We be- begin the story of our relationship with Pezouan in 2004. It all starts with my meeting Everest Plagnon in August 2004. I had arranged to visit three fair trade certified cocoa cooperatives in Cote d'Ivoire, Ghana, and Cameroon. At the time, I was uh, looking into the question of uh, whether forming fair trade certified cooperatives might be a way to combat poverty and the twin evils of child labor and child slavery, both of which were endemic in the three countries I was visiting, and both of which were critical to the financial health of the chocolate industry. The Ivorian cooperative that I wanted to visit was Kavo Kiva, which means Let Us Unite Together. To get there, I had to fly to Abidjan-Côte d'Ivoire, a city over of over two million, and then find transportation to the village of Gonate, located in the heart of the cocoa-growing region of western Côte d'Ivoire. While I was waiting for my suitcase to arrive on the belt, a young man, Evarise Plagnon, approached me and asked if he could be of assistance. This began a three-day trip. And in the longer term, a friendship that has lasted 18 years.
1: When I met you the first time, it was in the airport,
0: 2004.
1: Yeah. Yeah, 2004. I think when I when I, when I met you, that time you you, you, you came in a recourse to help um um cocoa, cocoa, cocoa farmers. Yeah. Uh, cocoa farmers.
0: I uh, think the cooperative Kavokiva. That's right. Yes, yeah, yeah. and remember, <laughs> I was standing at the luggage belt, and you came up to me and asked me if I needed help. Yes, yes. And I said, yes. I want to go to Dalwa, and yeah, you said, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm from Dalwa. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes,
1: yes, yes. <laughs> yes, you told me from Dalwa, and um, you explain. I asked you, you explain me what they think we you. You have to do in every course, you know what I'm saying? You explain me everything. You, have, you, came in, you came in Africa, but every course to help African cocoa farmers. And because you do, a, you get a little factory chocolate in California.
0: In the four subsequent years, 2005, 2006, 2007, and 2008, Everest and I visited about a dozen villages. Each trip would start the same. Everest would meet me at the airport in Abidjan, and the next morning we would purchase boots and tools that would, we would donate to the dozen or so villages. On our second trip together in 2005, Everest brought me to the two villages where we now have established two of our chocolate plants, Depa and Pezwa, located a few minutes outside Isia, a town of over 100,000. We also visited Galebre, where Roger Niepo was the director of a school for orphaned children. Eighteen years later, Roger is now the director of our latest chocolate factory located in Ndusi. We established it last June. After I finished the 2005 trip, I raised money for Everest to buy and distribute boots. He purchased several dozen and brought them to some of the villages that we had visited. In 2007, three Californians joined us. We purchased more boots, machetes, and sharpeners, and we also built two outdoor toilets in Depa and Peswan. In 2008, a young Chinese-American college student accompanied Everest and me. She was a student in my department, uh, food science and nutrition. We were, the next year, we were joined by two Japanese-Americans, one of whom was uh, one of my students. At the time, I was all hot about a new development idea. I called it 5,000 Villages. My idea was that for the price of a single aircraft carrier propeller, $5 million, we could distribute 5,000 scales and 5,000 dryness meters and solve a very big problem, the cheating of cocoa farmers by middlemen who bought and sold the cocoa beans. Anna Nakayama talks about raising the money for the dryness meters.
1: Yeah, I learned about your... um initiative by taking the Cal Poly chocolate class and had never knew that chocolate had um, such a terrible side on the production end. And so I was very inspired by you. And so I had a presentation that I think you created and I gave it to my church. We had a event and I just spoke about what you had taught me about how, um, Cocoa farmers are not paid a fair wage. There are certain gaps that are making it even harder to um, advocate for themselves. And um, and so that inspired people in my church. And so then they donated money to the cause um, to raise um, to about $2,000, I think, maybe. Yeah, I think we bought dryness four meters. dryness
0: meters. Uh, and uh, so it was about 2000 my my idea was if we could get a uh, a scale and a dryness meter for five thousand villages that would do a lot of good. Um, of mm-hmm. course, it doesn't really get to the heart of the problem, which is the unfairness of the system where the um, the farmer is just selling beans and getting a very little, uh, only five four to five percent of the price, of the retail price of a chocolate bar um so um, whereas the uh, the the cocoa ends up in the united states or in europe and then or in china or wherever asia um and then uh they make most of the money in producing the bar and retailing it and all that um so i hadn't even gotten to that point i didn't even know what uh you know the value chain was at that time <laughs> So, uh, I, I was just thinking a little bit simpler, just what if we could solve two problems, weight and dryness, so that when the middleman comes into the village, that, uh, that the weight is correct and the dryness is correct and they will make a better living. Uh, but I, 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 I didn't have, uh, you know, it's, it's just, it's really hard to do, to raise money and, um, Anyway, that's why I was so impressed that you raised that money.
1: Yeah, it was so exciting to get the support from my church and um, to be able to take the dryness meters to these villages and deliver them ourselves.
0: I asked Katie, Anna's sister, what it was like meeting a stranger at 3 a.m. at LAX to embark on a trip with her sister.
2: I was a student um at at my college, and I had just come back from sitting abroad in South Africa, so then I just kind of hopped over to different parts of Africa
0: so I came to the airport uh at three in the morning and I was late, so did you think I was not going to show up <laughs> uh Uh, Maybe
1: our parents did
0: (laughs) your parents. Yeah. yeah, Your parents did all the worrying for you. So your parents, you often said, these are our two progeny. Uh, Don't you, you better take care of them. They didn't say that, but I, I felt it. I knew it. (laughs) And, uh, you know, so were you worried at all?
2: Um, I mean, maybe I was just young and dumb. (laughs) All right. um, oh. I mean, I love to travel and it was a new adventure. Um, and yeah, I mean, I didn't have the background in the chocolate making course. So I actually had no idea where chocolate really came from. I didn't know it grew in a pod on a tree, to be honest. So um, it was a really interesting and fascinating and educational trip just to kind of learn about the process of making chocolate, but then also the inequality behind it. So just eating one of my favorite desserts was just my mind was blown by the how awful things were how hard things were um and then just the really the need to um you know kind of question where is your chocolate made um who makes it you know are they taking care of the farmers are they doing anything to address the issue um Yeah, so that really, I stopped eating Hershey's chocolate after that, for sure. Um, Yeah, and then also, you know, educating your friends just a little bit and just kind of showing there's better alternatives out there.
0: Toward the end of 2008, Everest moved with his family to the United States. So two others acted as guides, one being Everest's uncle and the other a member of the board of Kavokiva. And I continued to visit villages. Seven years of such trips passed, and tired of just doing the same thing and also a little disillusioned with the indifference of people to the issues of fairness, I decided to focus on two villages in Côte d'Ivoire, Depa and Pezouan. I asked the chiefs of the villages how I could be of greater service. They said that I should buy them trucks. I told them that that's too expensive and too complicated. They suggested I build a rice-hulling unit for each village. Each of the villages submitted a plan. In 2012, I raised the money to build the first rice-hulling building in DAPA. The building was completed by summer 2013, and we installed a rice huller by that summer. In 2013, also, I bought, brought a chocolate grinder in my suitcase, and by the end of the year, Dapa was milling rice and making chocolate. In 2014, Bob Peak, a Central Coast Californian, came with me on a visit of the villages, Uh, in three countries, Cameroon, Ghana, and Côte d'Ivoire. Bob is one-third Osage and Cherokee and speaks both languages. So he thrilled villages in all three countries with the two languages that they had never heard before. And he thrilled me as well. We visited Pezouan, and at that time, the chief was mad at me because I had built a rice-hulling facility in Depa, uh, and uh, the chocolate-making room in Depa, but had not done the same for Pezouan. But I assured him we would make good on our promises. Here's Bob Peep. Uh, I interviewed him a few weeks ago, giving his impressions about Pezuan.
3: But uh, yeah, I remember Pezuan very well. Um, it was a very interesting experience. <laughs>
0: oh, so what? What do you remember?
3: Oh, well, I remember everything. Oh, cool. Um, you know, I've been to. You know, a lot of being um, Native American, I've been to a lot of villages and reservations here. And and, you know, whether you're here or anywhere in the world, um, you there are certain things that you uh, receive as a guest when you go into a village or or somewhere new. Yeah. And I, I remember that the first thing they did was they offered us shelter from the heat or whatever we were were in that day. So depending on where you were, as far as the shelter goes, um, uh, you know, kind of put your place, uh, you know, where, where, what's going on. The, the next thing I remember in Pejuan is that, that, that we were greeted with the loudspeaker and I thought, wow, this must be a huge village. I Mm -hmm. mean, the guy's got his bullhorn out here and he's letting everyone in the world know that we are here. Uh And. I got, and you know, it's crazy too, because um, I don't, I speak some Spanish, but I didn't know French. I didn't know, I didn't need to know French to know what he was saying. <laughs> you uh-huh. know what I mean? Yeah. I didn't need to know French to know what he was saying. Uh-huh. So, Cause,
0: well, they're not that, the, the languages are similar. Uh, so. Yeah,
3: yeah. So I, I, I just knew that this guy was hot, whoever was on the the, the bullhorn. Was, so
0: it, was got, it the chief? Yeah, it was.
3: I believe it was. It might have been the chief. It might have been someone else. It might
0: have been Antoine. uh, Antoine was the chief spokesman.
3: Okay. Well, he was sure speaking to that bullhorn. Yeah. And um, we got sat and he just kept going on that bullhorn. And I thought, boy, there must be a million people here. And there wasn't anybody. It was just like I knew he was doing that just to be belligerent. And, uh, you know, he was mad. It was obvious. I knew he was really mad when every village that we visited, they always, one of the first things after they offer you a shelter and a place to sit, they bring you water. No matter where we went, they brought you water. Yeah. And I remember, Tom, um, you know, some of the water that we were brought, um, I had to make it look like I was drinking it because I didn't want to offend anyone. It was so you know, yeah. kind of sketchy, the water.
0: Yeah.
3: They, they didn't even offer us water at Pejuan. We got nothing. <laughs> yeah, and, really?
0: Uh... Yeah,
3: no water. And, well, and in a lot of the other villages, so after we were offered the shelter and the water, we were, you know, uh, introduced and things, and then we would have a feast. We There was many villages where we ate. Yeah. And uh, they didn't offer us anything. We had no water no food, it was like, oh, boy, I think these guys just don't like us.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, you know so, what it was is because um, I, I had asked the two chiefs of Pezwa and DAPA to sub- submit plans for a, a rice hauling facility and a chocolate room. And I remember that, yes. And uh, then what, what happened was I chose DAPA, even though their plan wasn't as well thought out. Hezwan, they had obviously put a lot of work into it. But I really liked the chief of DAPA. <laughs> yeah, yeah, David? Or the chief? Yes, the chief yeah, there. Yeah. David's the chief's brother. Uh, okay. Yeah. And uh, so I went with Depa first uh, because I felt more comfortable there. But uh, then when we, when we went in 2014, you and I, I knew he wasn't going to be happy because he's a pretty feisty guy. And believe it or not, <laughs> he, he's still alive. I, I think he's probably in his 90s. Uh wow. his wife died. <laughs> I know that. And I, I actually saw him last June and I shook his hand and and he was very happy, you know. So it was
3: uh it was good. Uh yeah. and, and you know, Tom, I think that. In a situation like that where, you know, your funds are limited and you can only help one village at a time, yeah, someone's going to be mad. I mean, you just have to start somewhere, and right. and whoever, whoever you don't select is going to be upset. But I know that you're making progress there in yeah. Pejuan, and uh, the other village to the north of Depa, what was the name of that? That was, De- uh, oh, t- uh,
0: that kept, as you're going away from Isia, so Isia... Then
3: you hit Pejuan and then Debop and then Zeriguhe. yeah, there we go. Yeah, and then Tatia. Yeah, right. is
0: the one where you got mad at the driver because he was spinning his wheels and he shot a bunch of
3: dirt at everybody. Oh, <laughs> no. No, that was, you know what? He did more than that. Huh. He actually turned his, swung his front end of his car around. And he hit the bench and knocked a bunch of people to the ground. Oh, oh that's right. <laughs> oh, god. He that was was, he was drunker than a skunk. Oh, you, you think he was? was? Oh, I know we were. Oh I know god. he was because we were drinking the palm wine. Oh. And I found out that he was drinking the distilled. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that was really good too, by the way. Oh, that, that was Palm really wine, good. I missed.
0: Between 2014 and 2016, we built the building, and of course the money for all this came from annual fundraisers. Most of the work was supervised by Everest's uncle, Mathurin. In 2019, we installed the rice hauling machine. It was this year, 2019, that Servando started to work with me here's how i became involved in the project my mother contacted Everest and told him that i had a smartphone that i could easily document everything and send the pictures to Everest in new york who could then forward them to tom so it's through helping avarice that i became involved in the project in 2021 servando supervised the construction of the chilling room And we sent him the money to have two work tables built, as well as the money for a microwave and two refrigerators that would keep the chocolate bars in fresh condition. Tom also sent how-to videos and PDF files by WhatsApp so that Servando could teach himself how to make chocolate. Thus began a year of learning how to temper, make fudge, mold a chocolate, and candy fruit. Servando proved to be a very able student, all this done from afar it's all because of you you know it i left my life in abidjan i quit school and moved back to pezwa where my mother lived i was in my third year of studies in abidjan i abandoned everything to start this project if i hadn't met you online i would never have moved back to pezwa life in the country is hard food is always in short supply In 2022, Servando made the SCAP Cooperative a center for chocolate production.
2: First, we formed a cooperative.
0: We got everyone interested together. Project Open Fairness supplied the $1,000 required, and I did all the legwork going back and forth between different governmental offices. We continued to work on developing a team that could produce a significant amount of product, Second, I developed new labels for the bars because the ones that Tom had supplied me didn't protect the ends from tearing. And third, I added new flavors, especially the toasted coconut and ginger flavors that have proven to be so popular. I asked Servando about his hopes for the
2: future. Okay,
0: my hopes for the future. It's that the village of Pezwa, represented by its cooperative, be independent. Part of being independent is the ability to transform our own cocoa beans. Right now, we are forced to buy from Depa, and so we are not independent. If Depa has no chocolate in stock, we can't do anything. We can't even help our own members. Right now, nobody is buying beans, and the farmers are stuck. And we in the cooperative, who are supposed to help our members, cannot help our members because what we really do is transform beans into chocolate, but we don't have the machines for that. First, we need to increase the size of our little building. We only have a a single room where we do everything, office, making candy, tempering chocolate, molding all in one room. If we are going to expand this operation, we need a room for the cracker winnower and a separate room for the melangeur, and we need to buy a cracker winnower and a melangeur. We are all hoping that the potential relationship between Project Hope and Fairness and TechnoServe will be beneficial to us, will fulfill the hopes and dreams of the cooperative's members. We hope the relationship will be a big success. Those are my hopes for the future. It is important to accentuate the positive. Servando has accomplished a lot. Just since January of this year, Servando and his team have produced and sold over 1,400 chocolate bars. And thanks to Prisca, his sales rep, they have sold these bars not only locally, but also in big cities, <clears throat> such as Daloa and Ganyua. Finally, I asked Servando about an idea that he had brought up in a previous conversation that he could raise capital by buying and selling beans, that this capital could be used to pay the cooperative's taxes, and that by buying and selling beans, he would add credibility to the cooperative so that members of the cooperative, villagers, and people in surrounding communities would see that SCAP, Societe Cooperative de Pesoin is fulfilling its number one function, that is to help its members become financially solvent. Servando says... Well, since the machines are not here and we cannot make chocolate ourselves, we could behave like a regular cooperative, buying beans from our members at, say, 925 CFAs per kilo, which is 25 CFAs above the going price, cleaning and drying them, and then reselling the beans to a buyer at 950 to 975 CFAs per kilo, depending upon the negotiated price. This is the sort of activity that cooperatives normally engage in. Our clients could include Sokol Plan and nearby Depa, which is manufacturing chocolate, as well as Askaf, the third cooperative that is working with Project Hope and Fairness. So in addition to making and selling chocolate bars, we would also buy and sell cocoa beans. The story of how Pezwan became a chocolate producing village ends with this idea. There is no reason for cocoa farmers to be the victims of the marketplace, to be stuck selling their beans for 4% of the retail price of chocolate when they could be more active participants in the value chain, growing, fermenting, drying, grinding, tempering, molding, packaging products for sale locally and throughout the world. As the CEO of Project Open Fairness, Uh, It is my fervent hope that we can make the world a better place by turning cocoa farmers into chocolate producers. So I ask you, wouldn't you like to support Servando, who passionately wants to improve his village's economy by manufacturing and selling chocolate? We need to raise another $50,000 to construct a second building where they can store cocoa beans, manufacture chocolate, and make chocolate bars. Please help Project Hope and Fairness make SCAP, Société Cooperative de Pezouin, a cooperative that buys cocoa beans from its members, sells the cocoa beans, manufactures chocolate, and sells chocolate bars. Thanks so much for your interest and support.